What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? Are you good today? Are you enjoying the Florida conditions that we're experiencing right now? I love it. Springtime is here. Summer's on the way. How many excited about it? Yes. Yes. I just think it's important for us to thank God because the winter was very mild, and I am personally very grateful for that. Anybody else grateful for a mild winter? Lord, let it happen. Let it happen. If that is a result of global warning, we're sorry, but we'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I, <laughs> I do want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad that you're with us today. Church, come on. Can we help everybody who's watching online feel welcome today? Okay, y'all, a quick update on uh, church life. We had our very first sisterhood social on Friday night, okay? So, all right, it's the first one. Okay, we just tried this. We're like, what would it be if we just get girls together, 40, 50, you know, ish, and in houses and have a devotional and, 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 uh, and prayer and connection, and, and it was fire. It was so good. It was so amazing. Uh, we had close to 300 girls get together all across our area. So that's so cool. Thankful for that. And we had a great testimony come in, and I want to share it with you. Um, Amber writes this. She says, after attending Sisterhood Socials, I'm telling you, I'm so filled with God's joy in my heart, knowing that I am not alone because I have sisters in Christ walking on this journey with me. I'm pumped up and excited for what God still has in store for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Summer Park Church. I am where I want to be. Isn't that awesome? Come on. We thank the Lord for that. That's it was really, really cool, and I just want to say, um, way to go. Way to keep leaning in. This is such a great time for our church, leaning into discipleship, leaning into growth, leaning into outreach. Man, we've seen God just do so many things, and, and I just want to say thank you because I uh, and Jen, we, we love being a part of a church that is committed to helping more people find and follow Jesus. There, there, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are disconnected in our area, disconnected, just totally just out there, floating, lost, alone, discouraged. And man, our job is just to continue to keep bringing them in and raising them up and building them up and helping them become all that God wants them to be. Amen? And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, church. It is so much fun being a part of a church that is committed to doing that, that is alive, that is fired up, fuegoed up for the Spanish speakers among us. So it's, uh, it's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. And then Mother's Day is next Sunday, y'all. Okay, Mother's Day. Don't forget. Don't forget, don't forget mom, okay? It will not go well for you. It will not go well for you if you forget mom. And if you're married to the mother of your children, gentlemen, please, do not forget mom. It will not go well for you. We're going to help you celebrate by having a photo booth. We'll be giving some succulents away, cute little succulents, just to remind you of the cute little thorny things in your life. <laughs> and it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Well, I encourage you to be here. Um, unfortunately, Jen and I will not be here. Everybody say, aw. I know. We're going to miss you guys so much. We are actually going to Israel today. Um, so, yeah, right after the second service, we're going to go to Israel today. It's going to be uh, a great opportunity uh, to go with uh, James River Church. They're taking a tour, so we're going to get to go. I'll be doing some teaching while we're on the trip. And um, 
Jen is going, and my mom and my dad are going. So uh, I'll get to spend Mother's Day with my parents. Yeah, this, thank you for clapping for that. That's so sweet. Um, so we're going to we're gonna shoot a couple videos while we're there that first week, and then we'll, like, edit them, and, and, uh, and we'll send them to you. We'll show on Mother's Day just a, just a little couple clips. And then we've got a fire speaker who will be bringing the word Dan Hunter. Dan the man, we'll call him, all right? Dan the man. He's, he's awesome, coming from Houston, Texas. I promise you, it's going to be awesome. You will be glad that you're here, and you'll be glad that you brought as many people as you can. So, all right. Um, well, today we are uh, we're wrapping up a section of the series that we've been in in the book of Matthew, all right? So for, if you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Matthew all year long. I actually don't know how long it's going to take. We haven't mapped it out yet. We should probably do that. That'd be helpful, but we haven't done that yet. Um, we're just going verse by verse, and we're, we're just, we're learning. We're learning, and, and, and I think it's important for us just to remind ourselves every time we jump into this, we're, we're not just learning about history when we're looking at the gospel, uh, we're not just learning about someone's ideas or philosophy. We're, we're learning about Jesus Christ who came and lived, and we're learning from someone who watched him like first, like up close, firsthand, and actually knew him, a guy named Matthew. And not only a guy who just knew him, but a guy who had been changed by him, a guy who had given basically his allegiance to Rome, betrayed his people, and was ostracized, had a lot of money, but didn't have a lot of meaning, didn't have a lot of significance in his life. And so Jesus shows up to his tax collector's booth and says, come follow me. And all of a sudden, the light bulb clicks on for Matthew and he's like, this is what I've been looking for. This is what my soul is looking for. This is what humanity is looking for. He is here. He is here now. And he leaves his booth and he follows Jesus And his life has changed. And one of the things that Matthew helps us key in on is the idea of the kingdom. Jesus talks about the kingdom all the time. And Matthew focuses in on this, and and he helps us understand this. And so we've been going through this, and it's been absolutely fantastic. And and today we're going to be looking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus does is he, he's really bringing the whole idea of the Sermon on the Mount together. We've been talking about this. We've been walking through this. I'm going to do a little recap as we go through it. But he's been, he's been helping us understand how to experience God here. How do you actually experience God? Like if God is real, like that's pretty cool if he is. But if he is real and he wants to, uh, if he wants to let himself be experienced by humanity then what does that look like and how do we experience it? And that's what, that's what this Sermon on the Mount is all about. This is probably a message that Jesus would give over and over again. We call it like a stump speech where he would just go from town to town talking about the kingdom. And so he preached it once, but he probably preached it more than once. And now we're wrapping it all up and he's bringing it all down. He's, he's actually ending, in my opinion, how he began. And there are bookends. And so we're gonna talk about this. And, and the idea is, is a storm season survival guide. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Storm season survival guide. Okay. How many of you, uh, how many of you like storms? Just raise your hand if you, if you like storms. Aren't they, aren't they awesome? Um, it, I, I, I like storms. I like watching storms roll in. If you get to a place where you can just watch storms roll in, it's just really cool. Or if you ever get to a place where, uh, uh, where you're going to sleep. Isn't like going to sleep and listening to storms just the best? 
just kind of want to open the window a little bit and just hear it, you know, and just, you hear like the little crackle in the distance. Sounds just like that, doesn't it? It just sounds just like that. Um, but you hear the, the thunder kind of rolling, just in the background, rum, rum, rum. It's not, he's not even close. I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what to say. It's bad. Um, but you hear it, and then, you know, it just, and then you hear, like, the, just the, the drip drips, like, coming down, and, you know, it's hitting different things, and it just makes you want to just, like, you know, just open the windows and, you know, pull that cover over, and, you know, isn't it, isn't it the best? Isn't it the best? And isn't it the most terrifying thing ever living in Missouri? Like, it's single-handedly, like, amazing and awesome, and also, like, yeah, but we could die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and so how many of you are avid storm watchers? Like, you're checking your phone. Like, oh, where, where's it at? Like, you're keeping track. Like, thank you, okay, because you guys are helping us stay safe. And it's a little concerning. For me, I, uh, I love falling asleep to storms. I love falling asleep to storms. And so, and, uh, and, and so I, I'll just not even know, like, that it's actually getting bad. And, you know, because they can come pretty fast. So I had to get this little tornado alert thing, um, just, just in case, just in case, because I have kids and I have responsibilities, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, I don't mind getting taken out in a tornado. I don't think that'd be kind of an interesting way to go, but I, I have kids. <laughs> I have kids. And so, um, so anyways, I got this tornado alert signal. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. It reads the atmospheric changes. So it's, it's more than just like, oh, the National Weather Service. It actually beats the National Weather Service on Amazon for about $100 for those of you who are interested. Um, it's cool. And so it, it senses the changes and it will like give you a strobe and like this little like, like it's a strobe lights up the whole room and then like this high pitched noise. And so you're not sleeping through it. And so um, l- last year uh, it, it went off. This is kind of, I wasn't planning to tell you all this, but it went off last year the first tornado that we had come through and, and, uh, and it went off. And so I was like, I looked outside, I was like, nothing's happening. This is like, there's absolutely nothing going on. And, um, and so I was like, well, but it went off and they, they say it's accurate. And it's like, it's totally calm. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, alarms start going off on my phone and we turn on the, t- we had watching the TV and it's like, uh, alerts are coming on. I was like, way to go, tornado alert little thing. <laughs> Way to go. So anyways, we get the kids up, and of course, we, this is what we do. We take, take the kids, get them down in you know, a low place, close to bedrock, right? And then I don't know if there are any other people who do this, moms or dads, but I, I get the kids safe with Jen. Yeah, and then I go out and look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> I mean, let's go. I mean, no, let's not go, Lord. I'm not saying that. But if it's going to happen, I'd like to see it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm a little bit twisted. Oh, my gosh, twisted? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Write that down for second service. Um, okay, but, you know, but, so, but I, I love watching, love, love watching it come in. But when, if it starts, like, if you start seeing, like, like roofs come off, <laughs> you know, how many times is it, how many know it's not time to watch anymore? It's time to get to bedrock. It's time to get close to where you're going to be secure. It's going to be, where can, how low can I go? How strong, how, how connected can I be to something 
that is close to bedrock. And that whole idea is how Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. This is how he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. He tells a parable of two different people who go through storms, one who survives it and the other who is crushed by it. One who survives it and one who is crushed by it. Um, and this is very interesting. I, I thought about that idea, and I thought about this, uh, this picture that I'd seen several years ago. Hurricane Michael hit in October 2018. It was a, a Category 5 uh, hurricane. It hit Mexico Beach, Florida, and, and it just devastated this community. You know, the winds and the flooding, like it, could just, it just wiped out stuff, except for one house that was on the beach. Check this out. I don't know if you guys saw this picture, but... Um, Look at this house right here. Like complete devastation all around it. And yet it looks brand new, brand new. And so they started doing interviews with these people. And uh, it was, a, it was a two, two guys who owned the house. They had like leased it out, rented it together. Russell King and uh, a guy named Dr. Lackey. And he had, uh, they, they, they'd survived this amazing Storm. I mean, that devastated everything around it. And so CNN was calling, and different news stations were calling. Tell us about this. Like, well, we, we made sure our peers went further than code required. We made sure our windows were stronger than code required. They actually did less windows on the house than they wanted to, less overhangs on the house that they wanted to. They made decisions to make sure that if the big one came, they would be ready. And ready they were, <laughs> minimal damage to their house. I mean, just like little piece right there. That's, that's unbelievable. And, and so I want to ask ourselves a question. When the big one comes, are you ready? Are you ready to survive when the storm that's bigger than you thought it was going to be comes? Because storms do come. Financial hardships, relational hardships, parenting hardships. What do you do when that happens? Can you survive it? And in Jesus' last few words of the Sermon on the Mount, he helps us do that. He helps us do that. And so I want to I just encourage you with this. So if you're ready to get your storm season survival guide, say I am. All right, let's jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says this, that, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as a teacher of the law. Jesus is giving three, he's a parable. Jesus would talk in parables a lot. Three characters, right? You, you, you have the, 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 the guy who builds his house on the rock, the guy who builds his house in the sand, and then the storms. All three are characters here. And Jesus is trying to teach us something. And he's trying to help us so that when we experience the big storms of life, we don't go down in the crash. We don't get washed away. Three thoughts, three truths from this passage. Number one, the storms of life will come. 
Number two, the life built on sand will wash away. But number three, the life built on the rock will last forever. Three, three ideas, and we're going to walk through these things, and uh, I want to help you with them, and it's going to be fantastic. Before, you, before we jump into this, I want you to turn and tell three people, the stir- storms may come, but I'm standing strong. The storms may come, but I'm standing strong. All right. First, first idea, um, the, the, the storms are, storms are going to come. They're going to come. The storm that Jesus is talking about is, uh, seems to be one that is coming from every direction. Look at this verse. It says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. This is, this is kind of like, it's just coming from every, so the winds are blowing, the rains are coming, and now the streams are rising. Anybody ever been in a situation that just seems to be going from bad to worse to worser? Anybody ever been through something like that? It's like, man, I thought it was bad before, and now it's just getting worse, and now it's worser, which I don't think is a word. But sometimes it just feels like that. And this is true in life. Storms are going to come. No matter how good you get your life situated, Right, church? No matter how much money you have in your bank account, no matter how perfect your house might be, no matter how uh, oriented your kids might get, like just, man, everything's going good. How many of you know, like, it doesn't matter how, how, how perfect you try to make your life, storms are still going to come. They're still going to show up. And, I mean, this is the old adage. We've, we've heard it before. I'm sure if you've been in church for six months or longer, you've heard a preacher say this. It's this, you're either coming out of a storm or you're in a storm or you're getting ready to go into a storm, right? But it's true. And I think it's helpful to remind ourselves like, man, this is gonna happen. Like storms are gonna come. And it just dispels this common myth in Christianity that once you give your life to Christ, everything is puppies, unicorns, rainbows, and butterflies. You can tell I have a five-year-old daughter. Just because you choose to follow God does not mean your life is gonna go storm-free. It's actually probably gonna be more storm-full. And and this is is because the devil doesn't like what God's doing in your life, in part. In part, it's like, it's just life. In part, the devil is, once you start following God, the bullseye on your back gets a little bit bigger for the enemy. He sees what God's doing. So if you got baptized recently, the devil's gunning for you. And he may give you a little bit of space because, like, you have all of this, like, all of these vibes, like all of these God vibes. You're like, no, oh, this is amazing. Or you, or you started serving and you loved it. You're like, this is incredible. I was holding that door. It was incredible. <laughs> and you feel so, and the devil's like, that's cool, that's cool. I'll just wait until all that calms down and then I'm, mm, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. Your life will be stormful. Jesus says this, in this life, you will have trouble. He says it. He's like, it's going to happen. Even when, when Peter walks on water, he does this miraculous thing. It happens because Jesus has actually sent him into a storm, oddly enough. So, not, I mean, sometimes God will bring us into storms. 
He never promises a trouble-free life. He promises the opposite. But what's something that's interesting here that I, I think is worthy of note from this passage is that storms can serve us. Storms can serve us because this storm reveals what the foundation is built on. And in this way, your storm can serve you because it can drive you back to God. It can, it can make you go down into the basement and get close to bedrock. That's what it can do. It can, it can make you seek the Lord more. You, when you go through a storm, I wanna encourage you, ask yourself, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you trying to reveal in me? What are you trying, you're trying to make me stronger because I know that you're good, so how are you trying to make me stronger in this situation? I believe this is what happens to David in the Old Testament in Psalm 139. It's, it's probably in the midst of the, a, a storm that he goes through this. We can see for the first couple of verses, watch this. Um, uh, Psalm 139, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. You ever prayed a prayer like that? Oh, God, just kill my enemies right now. Just kill them. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. He's wanting to execute some righteous judgment because of the storm he is facing. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been through that? It's like, oh, God, I just... I just pray, Lord, Lord, maybe don't kill them. Just maim them just a little bit, Lord. Just maybe, just, just cut off their arm. Just one of their arms, not their dominant arm, but just an arm. He's going through something that's got him in this place that is, that is not good. But watch where it leads him to. Watch where it leads him to. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love that. It's, it's, that's, it's the whole idea that this, that this house that's built on the rock, it stands strong and it lasts forever. Lasts forever. See, see, if it, see if there's any way in me that is offensive so that I can be led to the way that is everlasting. See, I want to encourage you, don't let your storm suffocate you. Let it serve you. Let it serve you by bringing you into greater relationship with your Savior. Let your storm start just like piecing away and be like, okay, where, where is my rootedness? What, what am I anchored to here? Where is my hope? And let it be in God. Because... If your life is built on the right thing, it will last. But if it's built on the wrong thing, it's going to wash away. And that's the second point. The life built on sand will wash away. I love sand. I love the beach. Anybody else love the beach? It's the best. So great. And I would love to live by the beach someday or at least have a house there. Maybe even a little tiny house. Can we have any tiny house by the beach faith in the house today? We'll all just take a moment and pray. Um, praise God, Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to build a house by the beach. He's just saying it's wrong to build a house on the sand. And, and there's, there's, there's two different. In Jesus' day, you could build your house on the rock, which we'll talk to you in a about in a moment, but it would require a lot more work to build your house on the rock, wouldn't it? 
because you had to go up to the rock. So you had to take all the building materials up to the rock, and then it's uneven surfaces on the rock. So you're having to, it's difficult. It's, you're constantly overcoming uh, uh, opposition and adversity. And then once you live up on a rock, you have, to all, you have to go down to the water to get the water and cart all the water up to the rock. It's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's difficult. Every time you go to the market, every time you fish, you have to come back and climb this rock. It's difficult. And so it's much easier to build on the sand where you can take your materials down to the sand and you don't have to work that hard to level it, right? Because sand levels wherever you want it to. That makes, that's what's so great about the beach. When you want to lay out on the beach, you just, you know, anybody else do this? You lay your towel down and then you kind of just make a little like nice pillow there with the, anybody else do that? Like you can custom form it to your neck. Because sand, sand, it's so, it's so easy, right? This is what Jesus is talking about. The people who build their house on the sand do it because it's easy. It's convenient. This is the person who builds their life on the flesh because it's, it's, what, it's what comes natural. It's convenient. It's, it's appealing. And, and I start thinking about the flesh and, and, I, and I start thinking about uh, what First John talks about when he, when he says this, the apostle John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, or the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The, and again, look at the, the imagery here. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So he's talking about when you base your life on the flesh, and so just quickly, lust of the eyes, what's he talking about? Anything that makes the flesh look good. Anything that makes the flesh look good. So, you know, it's, it's constantly trying to get the latest, greatest thing so that you can look good to other people. Material possessions, clothes, status, focusing on the gram, come on somebody, or TikTok. And it's never satisfied. And it's never satisfied, always leaves us lacking. Or the lust of the flesh. Anything that makes the flesh feel good. So the eyes look good, this is feel good. Sex outside of marriage, drug, alcohol abuse, binge eating, self-harm, or the pride of life. Anything that makes the flesh feel better than somebody else. So uh, as long as I'm doing better than that person, I don't need to be the richest person, but I just want to be, I just want to be doing well in my neighborhood. I just want to be doing better than my coworkers. Isn't this true? Like you, like you, you think about that. It's like, man, I, I just want to make sure I'm doing better than, I don't need to be as rich as someone in Leewood. Because <laughs> that's different. I just want to be richer than the people around me, right? You want to have a nicer car than the person around you. And do we see how dumb that is? It's so relative. It's so relative, and it's never satisfied, and, this, and it will destroy your life. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. You reap what you sow. The Proverbs are full of all kinds of these things. 
If you, if you, if you, what, what you sow, you will reap. If you live according to the world, it's not gonna go well for you. But I wanna ask you a question. I, that is true, those things are true. But is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount just asking us to try better and to do better and to live better? Is that what Jesus is saying? I don't think it is. Because you can pray a lot, you can commit yourself to generosity, you can live the best moral life that you could possibly live, and you know what you could still become? A legalistic, self-righteous brat. Just like, just like the chief people that Jesus had the major problem with, the Pharisees. So what Jesus is saying, it's not just, hey, yeah, sure, don't live according to the flesh, but don't just also try to do better. Both of those are, are based on one thing. And you know what that one thing is? Me. What Jesus is saying, don't base your life on yourself. Base it on God. Let me ask you, what are you basing your life on? What makes you feel good enough to matter? Is it your portfolio, your job, your looks, your shoes, your house, your good works? What justifies you? If it's anything that's based on you, you will be washed away when the storm comes. Because you can never be good enough. You can never be generous enough. And you'll constantly be looking, be like, oh, and you'll be blaming God for all kinds of things. And you'll just be a horrible mess. But if you, if you base your life on God, you will stand. That's the last one. The life built on the rock will stand. What is the rock? Who, who is the rock? And don't say Dwayne Johnson. I know some of you were wanting to say Dwayne Johnson. You didn't say it, and I appreciate that. But you were thinking it. The answer is Jesus. If you want your life if you want your, all that you are to be able to stand storms, you've got to base it on Jesus. He is the solid rock. He is the foundation worth building your life on. Because he's the only thing that we're ever going to experience in this life that will not fail. It's just him. He's the only one that will not fail. Isaiah 28 hints at this, and Isaiah 28 says, Therefore, says the sovereign Lord, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a stone of testing, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Talking about who Jesus is and who Jesus would be and what Jesus was going to bring ultimately. He, is, as John the Baptist says, is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. There is no one like him. There is no one beside him. He is altogether lovely, he is holy, he is worthy, and he is worthy of your trust, and he is worthy of basing your life on because he is the Son of God. And he overcame his own storm. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he gives overwhelming victory to those who put their faith in him. This is, this is life, this is Christ. This is what this is all about. And he has to be the one that we allow to justify ourselves. It's got to be him. Colossians chapter 1 says this. I, I want to take a few moments and read two passages of Scripture that, I th that are meaty, but if you'll pay attention to them, I think they will, they will bring incredible life to you. Colossians chapter 1. The Son 
is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's all about him. It's all about him whether you make it all about him or not. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. How are we justified? It's through Jesus and his death on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free, check this out, y'all, free from accusation. Ooh, that is so good. Because who's gonna accuse you? The devil's gonna accuse you. Your, your, your neighbors are gonna judge you. Hopefully this doesn't happen, but people in your small group might judge you, might accuse you. People are flawed. Yourself may accuse you. But man, you stand before God. Check this out. You stand before God reconciled, shame-free, guilt-free, not because of what you have done or are doing, but because of what he has done. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to reconcile you. So when your faith is built on that, you cannot be shaken. Storms may come, frustrations may come, disappointments may come, but you will be standing strong because he doesn't change, and he is good. Romans chapter three, again, just another meaty passage, but let this hit you. Verse 20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, rather through the law we become conscious of our sin. So you can't, you can't make yourself righteous by doing all great things. That's not what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. What he's saying is, we, become, we actually become more aware of how messed up we are. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This has been long ago. This has been, this has been coming. God had this in the works before the foundation of the world. He says the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. God's righteousness, your right standing with God is given to you by faith. By faith. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Just don't think just because you're in the tribe, you're in. Don't just think because you attend church, you're in. No, this is by faith. Do you believe? Don't just think because you've done a bunch of the good things that God's asked you to do that you're in. No, 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 this is by faith. And that faith transforms your heart. It changes you to the core. 
for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Last verse I'll encourage you with. Actually, I got a couple more. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What do you do and where, what is your life based on, church? Let me ask you today. What is your life based on? Maybe, maybe you're here, you're visiting today. You're not a part of church. You don't come to church, but you're here today. What is your life based on? What are you, what are you rooted in? If it is anything other than the righteousness of Christ, you're on sinking sand. And when that storm comes, look out. It's gonna wipe you out. If it's your portfolio, if it's your job, if it's your status, if it's your house, anything other than the righteousness of Christ is gonna take you out. But when you say, oh God, everything around me is going crazy, but I am rooted, I'm holding on, I'm going down to the basement, I'm grabbing on to the fact that you are good and that you are enough and that you died for me, you shed your blood for me, and that makes me right with God. And I'm in relationship. And I've got all that I need. This is bringing us back to how Jesus started this. If you remember, we started the Sermon on the Mount. He starts the whole thing with this little thesis statement that I believe is the thesis statement. It ties into the thesis statement of the whole Bible. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The people who find God are the people who recognize that they need him not the people that try to prove how good they are to him. It's just coming to God saying, God, I need your help. And this is, the, this is good news, church. This is good news for us because you might find yourself in a very difficult situation, but you can run to God. You say, God, I am going to put my hope and my faith in you. And you know what you'll experience? What David experienced in Psalm 62, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock. Come on, do you see the theme? Oh my goodness, it's so good. And my salvation, he is my fortress. And what? I will never be shaken. Come on, somebody. The word of God is good stuff. And that is encouraging right there. I want to ask you to stand with me. I want to take some time uh, to respond to God because, man, this is, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. If we get this right, we get everything else. If we don't get this right, what are we doing here? What are we even doing on a Sunday morning? If we get this right, heaven, unleash, heaven unlocks and unleashes in our life. I want to ask you, what is your life based on? What's it based on? As you can tell, we've changed the order of service around. We did two songs. We have a little order, in case you know, didn't notice. We have like, usually do three songs. Say we did two. Because I actually want to leave some time at the end for us just to really think about this. Really think about this and let this go deep into our hearts. And so I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the goodness of God. Thank you for the righteousness of Christ that 
that covers us, that gives us something rooted to put our hope in. And God, we just ask you to let that be so real to us today. So real to us today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I want you for real to take a moment with God, if you would, please. He's here. He'd love to, he'd love to just interact with you. Take a moment, do a little inventory. Maybe you're going through a storm, and that storm is revealing to you where your foundation is. And if you're having to, if you're having to be honest, you're like, no, nah, maybe it's in some sinking sand. God's here, and we have an opportunity to get that right. I encourage you to do some business with God right here. Just ask him to reveal. Ask him to show you maybe areas of your life that you are, that you're basing it on your own works, basing it on the flesh. You say, God, I want to base it on the rock. I want to base it on you. I want my life to be rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. sing a song. I just want to encourage you to continue in this atmosphere of prayer, worship, and surrender. And as we sing